With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Kielbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Scott Wisniewski with Jake Kokorowski. It's been a, a couple, almost two weeks since our last show, and a lot still going on. I, I, I don't know. I hope everybody's having a good night, Jake. I hope that you're having a great night. I want to ask you, though, when we last spoke, you know, there was some real consideration to whether or not we would be leading off another show talking about the Brewers or the West Coast trip, you know, kind of ready for them to embark on. And they made it through. They were five and four. They they realistically could have, you know, won six, maybe seven games on that trip. But you'll take five and four, you know, going out West, taking two from both Colorado and the Dodgers. Um, so here we stand. Brewers two games out of first, three and a half games out of the second wild card spot. And, Still playing meaningful baseball. Yeah, it's it's nice to see out of this team where, you know, it, it was this is a tough stretch. You know, West Coast trip's always rough, but you know, you, you say they win five of the nine games, so it's a winning road trip. And then you have you go into Los Angeles, a team that's won ninety-one games already, uh, and in some ways, I think maybe that's a, the win count that the Brewers are trying to get this year, if that. Uh, and uh, winning 70 percent of their games, and they go out and they get some great pitching, uh, you know. And and you next thing you know, they take two out of three, and uh, then they head back into town. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, they got the Cardinals coming up, and they got a bunch of divisional matchups. So <clears throat> I mean, last 31 games of the season, it's gonna be it's giddy up time, folks. Well, it doesn't get any easier, but there's some more navigatable uh, passages. And what I mean by that is. They still have seven games at the Cubs. They come home for two at the Cardinals and four with Washington. It doesn't get any easier initially. They do still have some games at the Pirates left in Cincinnati and Miami. Um, so, you know, but their schedule's tough. It certainly doesn't get any easier. That's why the road trip needed to be, you know, five wins, at four wins at the minimum. They couldn't afford to go you know, two and seven, and then thankfully for them, they didn't. Um, but there's still some issues. I mean, the offense is still struggling, and, you know, they're getting enough runs to win, you know, one nothing yesterday, 3-2 today. Um, but Braun hasn't really been hitting. Thames hasn't been hitting. Um, but the pitching's been solid. Nelson had a couple of shaky starts, but looked great today. Davies was phenomenal yesterday. Anderson looked good in his return to the rotation last two times, taking a tough loss on Friday, but pitching well. So, you know, that's been that's been good. Um, I'd still like to see another – I would have liked to see another starter in there to maybe take the place of Garza. Um, but we'll see. And, you know, and maybe the, the bats will come alive at some point. They have the second – still have the second fewest run scored since the All-Star break. So, you know, quite a uh, interesting 180 to where they were the first half of the season. So – We'll definitely see, but again, it's nice, and I really hope we can get. And well, we're close. We're what five days away from the first of September, four days away. Like to see him get to September first, like you know, two games out or less. 
And then it's like, wow, we got a real live pennant race on our hands. So, um, so we'll see. The Dodgers are going to finish with the best record in baseball. Doesn't mean I'm guaranteeing a World Series for them. I told you the stat: more wild card teams have made it to the World Series than teams with the best record in their league over the since the wild card was instituted. So, not guaranteeing anything yet. What I am guaranteeing is the Dodgers are going to win that division and have the top, you know, top record overall. Yeah, and it's. You know, everything's up for grabs there. You know, Brewers are two games out of first place right now as we speak. They are, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, uh, three, three, and, three a and a half away in the wild card. I mean, their best shot is to take out the Cubs. Uh, and, you know, the Cardinals are two games back as well. Are two games back behind the Brewers, uh, you know, in the NL Central. So this is a fact where the this team, I mean, the two, you know, starts on Tuesday and Wednesday, it's a quick two-game setup with the Cardinals, and this is it, it is you know the Brewers have the tough schedule, but this is what will make or break the team. And yeah, they squandered the lead finally to the Cubs, but you know they're still 68-63. They're in a better position than where people had initially thought this year, and you know and then they have to go on and face the Nationals, uh, you know, starting on Thursday. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, if my computer starts, at, it would actually. Mm-hmm. Work properly, I believe it's a four-game set. So it is, yeah. Those are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. So no, it's a, you know, this is it's now, now, now the Brewers though, and this this is what's great about baseball or maddening about baseball, depending on how you look at it. Okay, so the Brewers get to face Washington, but Washington's pitching staff's banged up. You know, Strasburg's been banged up for a while. Scherzer's on the DL. I don't know if he'll be activated in time or not. So again, it's sometimes baseball's about when you catch a team. You know, uh, at what point of the season do you play them? So they may catch a break in that series, but Washington's still tough. They score a lot of runs, a lot of power. Um, you know, they're just, they're, they, they stay with you. They're, they work pitch counts. They're grinders. It's not going to be an easy series. And like, like we said before, you got to get by this two game set with St. Louis before that. And St. Louis, with the exception of the last series, the Brewers actually beat St. Louis. St. Louis has given the Brewers fits for years. Yeah, it. I mean, it, they have, and this is a series where I'm, I'm, I counted the number. If I'm not mistaken, it's like 21 or 22 of the last 31 games are against division foes. By the way. Yeah. And yeah, the, that's right. The last two weeks, the last two weeks, starting on the 18th of September, it's all divisional matchups. You have the Pirates in three. You have the Cubs. <laughs> that, that, that four game series. I mean, we're not trying to look too far ahead. A lot can change between. Well, yeah, let yeah, we can't look too but, far ahead. Yeah. Really, the only ones that aren't are Washington and Miami, and and you know Washington we know is good. Miami's been playing better, but there's a good chance they'll likely be eliminated from, or at least on life support for a playoff berth by the time the Brewers get to Miami. So that could play in their favor. But Stanton by then could have 60 home runs. I mean, that guy's just been a monster. Um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise it's divisional foes, and it's kind of what you want. I mean, there have been a lot of years in the past where the Brewers have, the last couple weeks of the season, had maybe one divisional series, if that. And it's hard to make up ground on your divisional teams or put distance between you and your divisional teams if you're not playing them. It's easier to do it when you're playing them head-to-head. So uh, so we'll see. But um, hopefully next time we talk, maybe it'll be this week. Um, again, we'll, talk, we'll be still talking about the Brewers. I want to lead off with the Brewers as long as they're in a pennant race. You know, of course, the Packers will start dominating the news. We're going to talk about them here in a little bit. Badger season kicks up next Friday. 
So we're going to start, they're going to start working their way into regular heavy rotation, but we, we hope to have room. And that means we have to go a little longer when we do our shows so we can include enough talk about the Brewers. That's a good problem to have, but the Brewers are certainly trying to make sure they don't get knocked off the, the sports. Right. No, it's, yeah, it's, they, you got to give credit where credit to that this team's still fighting. I mean, they didn't make the big splash. Uh, in, in in the trade deadline, we had talked about that last month. Yeah, it was a mistake, but whatever. I know, but it's a you know, I mean, they're, I mean, Chase Anderson's back. I mean, the Neil Walker experiment's been going well, uh, in, in that facet, and it's a you know, it was a rough road trip for like you know for Braun and Thames at the plate, uh, it seemed, uh, and it uh, but you know, getting the day off a little bit, uh, today as they then make their way, and I mean, before we even get into like talking a little bit more. What do you think of the uniforms? I thought it was great. The players' weekend and the bats, I thought were a really cool touch. I I really liked how they kind of made it a little different, and I hope they do it again next year. I just think it's a really nice touch, and, and just having like I was watching it on Fox Sports Wisconsin today, and you see like you know uh, the nicknames up on the uh, you know they're announcing the players, uh, you know the graphic up on Fox Sports Wisconsin. I enjoyed it heavily, and I, I thought it was great. Uh, but I think anyway, it's a nice little touch that they did for baseball. Yeah, that's cool. I, but, uh, I think that, that my, I mean, the nicknames are kind of yeah, almost. But the color schemes, I'd like to see those be alternate, like Sunday jerseys for the whole season. It, it was kind of neat. But um, speaking of jerseys and speaking of interesting um, occurrences, I don't remember the last time it happened. It's going to be a little more frequent in the Big Ten as we. Just real quick, your thoughts on um, uh, what it's going to be like for Friday night game at Camp Randall? It's it, 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 it just it's hard for me to wrap my head around. I'm not necessarily opposed to. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I don't really have a horse in a race when it comes to high school football in the area, but just kind of an interesting, unique thing to see Camp Randall hosting a football game on a Friday. Yeah, it, um, it's going to be exciting. Uh, we'll be there. Bucky's fifth quarter will be there. Uh, when it comes to, to covering it and you know I, I work my my day job I am downtown you know our near east side of it so really you know I'm I'm already preparing to head down there early just because of rush hour traffic and rush hour is really bad uh, downtown but I mean the excitement should be there uh, most of the students should be back in town so you know it's a night game and it's going to have a nice atmosphere. Temperatures are going to be perfect. Uh, you know, and this team, yeah, they've lost Jack Sitchi with a torn ACL uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Zach Bond, who's going to supposed to rotate in the Brown Deer product, the former Offensive State Player of the Year, uh, in prep uh, from Brown Deer. He, you know, he's now outside linebacker, but is lost for the year. That was just announced today with a left foot injury, and Paul Chris mentioned it. We'll probably play some audio on the show a little bit after of Chris, maybe towards the end, because that's the longest clip. But he uh, you know, mentioned that it kind of came down in the past couple days of, of, of what to make it right, what to, how to make it right. It uh, seems like uh, a season-ending proceed, you know, making it a season-ending uh, thing uh, is the right way to go. So, you know, but there's there should be an atmosphere. There's a lot to like about this team. It, I, am, I try to be cautiously optimistic ever since you and I have started this podcast. Uh, and cautiously optimistic. I think so. I, I've, I'm trying to be as pragmatic as pro. I mean, like it, the, this thing, like, but before you, I mean, before we even started this, like 
you know, like there's I, overly optimistic on a lot of things. Now, like I've it being the the quote unquote media, tr- I've tried to be objective with it. And like last year, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, you know, I thought I was pretty objective, saying eight to nine wins, and and they proved you know many people wrong. But this year, I just I this team there if I mean the key lies. I mean I'm this fans should be excited. This team. It, is deep in certain areas, which has proved useful so far in fall camp. But well, it, well, the depth is going to be tested because it just the, really the part that scares me. Injuries happen every team. I, I know they do, and I'm prepared for that. And maybe like the numbers will balance out, right? But the season hasn't started yet, and they've lost two key players. And you know, so the depth that we've heard about, and you've had a chance to see, and you're. You know, way you know, couple times a week, and you see this. You've seen the depth. It's gonna. We're gonna see it now. Like I mean, we're gonna have to see it in use. We're gonna have to see, you know, how well these players that probably you know a month ago weren't were wondering what kind of playing time and how many reps they were gonna get, and all of a sudden they're thrust into a role where they're gonna be playing a lot. And uh, it'll be interesting. And, and what's interesting about college football, and you know, obviously you know this, and anybody who follows it is there's no preseason. There's no way to have seen. These, these players that are going to be having more increased roles and see them in live game situations until the first game was actually counts. You know what I'm saying? Unlike the NFL, where you get to play these four, you know, drawn out preseason games, um, and you get to, you know, see people and go, oh, I saw him play. He looked okay. He did this well. We're going to find out a lot on Friday. No. You know, it, and it's the first time we're going to get to see it in, in real live, you know, contact. Yeah, I mean, the think that, you know, the positions that are deep right now, defensive line, you have a two deep full of players that can contribute and, and make an impact. You know, like the defensive ends, Chikwe Obashi, Connor Sheehy, Alec James, all Milwaukee metropolitan area products. Uh, you know, James and Obashi from Brookfield, Connor from Marquette. 121 games played between them so far in their careers. Uh, you know, you have offensive line, I think, is actually pretty deep. Uh, where you know, where you have guys that are more game ready than they were last year, uh, I still think the tackles have a ways to go. So if Michael Dieter gets hurt, um, that'll be interesting. Where if they swing over David Edwards to to left tackle and then bring up Patrick Castle, who was working with the ones in the spring up to right tackle. Uh, but I mean, tight end is deep. Fullback uh, is is deep. Uh, which you know how much they use. Paul Chris uses his fullbacks uh, with Austin Ramish and and Alec Ingold, uh, running back, uh, you know, they listed it on their depth chart today, right? That was just released today. They had, uh, Chris James, Bradrick Shaw, and Jonathan Taylor, all as co number ones. And, and Jonathan Taylor came on late. He's that true freshman from New Jersey. That's a, a, tra- a prep track athlete. Uh, but you know, set some records down in South Jersey and he looks the part too. Uh, but you know, th- I mean, in, areas where they need to watch out for uh the first one you have to start up off is with this quarterback uh alec you know alex hornerbrook he's leaps and bounds above jack cone who's the true freshman who was named number two uh quarterback by paul christ late last week but also Kari lyles who's a redshirt freshman and so if alex hornerbrook goes down i was telling someone uh i was talking with our friend jeremy moss from uh, the mountain uh, well, mountain west what uh, yeah blah, blah. Mountain West Wire uh, earlier today that if Hornerbrook goes down, that's the offense changes its complexity. Yeah, it's a it's known for its running, but you need to have that two dimensional 
threat. And you need to have someone that can pass the ball to a Troy Fumagalli, who's a preseason All-American, who uh, you know, could go high in next year's NFL draft if things go his way. You know, and, and that wide receiving core where you know it's, there's injuries right now where both Kendrick Pryor and George Rushing, who are supposed to be two of the five contributors for the wide receivers, they're faced with some injuries. Uh, and they'll be out for this week, but that's you know. But they have three players in Jazz, PV, Quintez, Cephas, AJ Taylor that played last year, and this true freshman in Danny Davis that's been you know seems like a every other day making some big play or standing out in some fashion during fall camp when it was open to the media. But you know, you, I mean, another area is I mean, outside yeah. linebacker is I mean you have to replace not just the production of Watt of TJ Watt and Vince Beagle, who contributed to lows of like. 15 and a half sacks and 21 and a half tackles for loss last year. Uh, and Dooley, mm-hmm. Dooley and Jacobs have looked very, very good for the portions that were been open to the media. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Jacobs is a physical freak. He can squat 655. He can bench around 450, 435, 455. And, and he's looked the part. Uh, but they, you have to see that production uh, from them this year. But behind them, mm-hmm. they have Andrew Van Ginkle. And now with Bon out, you have a guy, a walk-on, Tyler Johnson, who... Uh, has played well, and T.J. Edwards, when he spoke with us today, said some nice things about Johnson, and, and so did Paul Christ uh, in terms of replacing him. But that the depth there is is hit. And then inside linebacker without Sitchie, you know, I mean, Wisconsin's had that embarrassment of riches that inside linebacker the past years, but they've needed that embarrassment of riches because Sitchie and Orr went down last year with season-ending injuries uh, by midway through the year. So Ryan Conley and Edwards are listed as the starters. Orr is, is the key backup that'll that's bound to get significant mm-hmm. reps. Uh, but then you have a guy named Arrington Farrar, the you know uh, the junior who you know he's a converted safety. Kind of like, but for those that remember back in the day, those, those that are the older listeners, Bobby Adamoff uh, moved from you know safety uh, back, yeah, I think it was like '96 or '97, uh, up to up to linebacker, and you know for that '98 season, that Rose Bowl year, he was a captain and, and one of the one of the outside linebackers. Now Frar is the an inside linebacker, but at you know six two, six three, and about two twenty ish or two twenty five ish around there, uh, you know he's got an inside linebacker body for college, uh, and but he you know he's still learning and he's still feeling it out instinctually. Uh, but, you know, those are the key areas for depth. I, I like what they have at cornerback. I like what the, who they have at safety. Uh, but, I mean, the main areas I'd say for depth, I mean, you know, I'd say outside linebacker. To an extent, inside linebacker until Frauer feels competent enough that he can really step up more. Uh, but also, you know, quarterback. Uh, and, and right now a little bit, of, in my opinion, wide receiver just because they, they, those injuries have hit early on. And we'll get to see it live uh, on Friday, and we'll get a chance to talk about it as the season goes on. And I know you've got some audio. We'll play that towards the end of the show. A lot of good audio leading up to that that initial kickoff. Uh, Herb Street, because of the injuries, picked Ohio State to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. It was interesting. You said with, before Sitchi went down, he was actually going to pick Wisconsin over Ohio State, which weird to hear from Herb Street because obviously it's Ohio State. Anyway, interesting enough, uh, a lot of stuff happened yesterday, which would have been Saturday as we taped this. We'll get into the Mayweather fight in a minute. Packers played their third preseason game. They lost typical Packer fan fashion. They're wringing their hands over a loss in in three of the preseason. The secondary didn't do this. They came next tackles, and they should have drafted one. Oh, it was me, fired nine capers, which, by the way, I agree with, but I'm not not because of week three of the preseason. You know the hammering. I can't. I just. I cannot wait 
for September 10th to have the real se- the regular season start and be done with preseason and be done with the crazy over an- analysis of preseason football when nobody's running their real schemes, no defenses are using their regular stunts, the offense is running half the playbook, if that, and yet we're sitting here critiquing everything like this is going to be indicative of the way the regular season looks. And uh, honestly, you know, they, they didn't look great in Denver. Denver's a tough place to play, whether it's preseason or not, because of the atmosphere, the, the altitude, all that other stuff. Denver's still a good team. Let's not forget that. Denver still has a great defense. And obviously Aaron Rodgers didn't play much. The number one offense didn't play much. The number one defense didn't play much. I think the defense is going to struggle, but I think they're going to be better. I think the offense is going to be dynamic, even more dynamic than they've been in years past. And I think they're going to win this division and be a contender, a Super Bowl contender, who will find out if they're able to win big games down the stretch because over the last few years, going all the way back to that Seattle loss in the NFC title game, they haven't been able to. But we'll find out. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of analysis about preseason games, and I get it. Like it's a 24-hour media cycle. There's more information. There's more access. Fans are 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 feverish about this team, but man, it just gets to be exhausting after a while. I I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing where I mean, the the third game of the year. I was listening. I was on my way home from a family outing, so I I didn't get to check to watch maybe the first. I'd say like 20 to 30 minutes, but I really did, you know, like hearing from McCarthy and he said like, Oh, this used to be the dress rehearsal before, you know, the game. And it's not really the case anymore. And, and, you know, you saw Aaron Rodgers play well last week at Washington. This is the first time I've actually watched preseason football this, this, you know, this year uh, for the Packers just because of other outstanding obligations. But it really, to me, you know, I mean, it's it's your classic preseason game, right? There, you know, like I said, they're vanilla offenses, vanilla defenses, but for the most part, and you know, you have a little bit, a couple things here and there, but you can't really do too much. You can't base a lot of things off of, of the games from a fan perspective because you don't know what they're running, and you don't know right. who's running, and then you don't know why this person's being put in this situation. And, you know, are they supposed to step up or something? I mean, coaches have their reason why. I mean, hell, I, you know, I watch, you know, I watch fall camp, but, you know, I don't know a tenth of what they're doing or, you know, I only know a tenth of what they're doing because you don't know if they're trying to put a player out there to see what he can do. Uh, you know, oh. so oh, they give up, they give up a big play. Well, this guy was on that, that guy's terrible. Like, well, maybe he's trying to, they're trying to see what this, you know, you know, this guy gets a 60 yard touchdown against the first team offense. Well, that's great. Uh, but who did they have in there, and 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 you know what was the the play, right. and what was the call, you know? So you know, it's one thing where people have to re- realize that they're not. There's an eye test for fans, that, and there's an eye test for people that don't know the game. We're like, okay, that guy's pretty good. Like you can watch Aaron Rodgers and say that's a pretty damn good quarterback. But right, you know, like you don't know what other intricacies are involved for other players. Uh, and McCarthy, you know, was called out talking about these players too. You know, he, uh, it was a really, I like the point where they're, you know, in this league, there are good players. They're good players that can be great, have great moments, and then there are great players. And I thought that was intriguing. So people like, oh, that guy sucks. Like, give me a dang break because let's, let's be honest. Like, these guys got to the next level for a reason. And there are guys that yeah. are competing at this next level uh, for a reason. And yeah, they may not be, uh, they may not play in the NFL consistently, but they're damn good football players. So, uh, you know, back to your point, you know, don't make a lot out of it. Brett, I will say Brett Hundley 
Uh, I'm surprised that the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't given up a first-round draft pick for him yet, based on well, what the Florida's and others have done. Uh, but I will say, I mean, or or, or, or they, why haven't they signed Callan Kaepernick? Uh, that, that's another thing uh, they have. Well, well, they, well, well, they may. But let, let me let, let's. I'm glad you brought him Humley because I I do want to talk about that. I do think the one thing Packer fans should be worried about isn't the scheme, isn't how many missed tackles there were. It's injuries and a couple more injuries to the offensive line it's already kind of thin that's good so you know when you talk about the injuries and, and the thinness of offensive line those are things Packer fans can worry about their stuff we'll figure it all out in fact we'll, we're going to have a big show I think soon where we talk about more in depth about the Badgers and the Packers and the NFL and preview all that and that's going to be coming up in the weeks to come Hunley yes he looked fine He's, but you talk about why hasn't Jackson? I'll tell you what, Jacksonville's offensive line isn't as good as the Packers' offensive line. Jacksonville's receivers aren't as good as the Packers' receivers. Maybe Humley would be a great pro. I'm not saying, I don't want to, I'm just saying don't put the cart in front of the horse. There's been a lot of players who have had great camps, great two or three great camps, and when they get their chance to show what they can be, it doesn't always work out. I would certainly love a team to come knocking on the Packers' door to make a trade, though, just because you can get something for a value for Hunley right now. I think his stock's as high as it will ever be. But we'll see if that translates into winning. Um, and as far as the Kaepernick thing goes, I, you know, Jacksonville's a team that would be most likely to sign him for many reasons. One, the owner doesn't really – isn't a traditional you know, concerned about the fan base because, let's be honest, in Jacksonville there is no fan base. I hate to say it, I'm going down to Florida. I'll be in Florida during the Jacksonville home opener, and I got myself seats at the 50-yard line for 40 bucks. Yeah. So that, t- that tells you exactly how much of a quote-unquote fan base there is in Jacksonville. So I don't think he has to worry about alienating. The problem with Kaepernick is this. Forget about whether or not you think he should have a job. I've said this before. We'll make it really brief without opening this can of worms again. He has every right to – to speak his mind and protest any way he wants. Owners have every right to not want that distraction, and that's the way it works. But there's more than just that. I do think that if you're going to bring in a guy like Kaepernick who has proven that he's not a traditional pocket passer, you better be ready to change your offense, and you better be ready to have people in place to – to, to run that offense and an offensive line that'll keep them. Cause somebody asked me today, well, you know, he could play in a system like Cam Newton. Sure he can, but here's the difference between Newton and Kaepernick. Newton gets killed on a regular basis and he's, he can handle the physicality. We don't know that Kaepernick can yet. You know what I'm saying? Like if he's going to run out of the pocket with no offensive line to protect him, like in somewhere like Jacksonville. You see what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I think if a team signs them, I'm fine with them signing him. But in addition to the distraction and the fan base that could be upset with bringing them in, more importantly, does he fit your offense? Do you have the personnel to run an offense where you've got a quarterback that's going to be moving out of the pocket as much as Kaepernick's going to be? If the answer is yes, then you should sign him. If Jacksonville can make the offense work, but here's the problem. Jacksonville should have figured this out in March and April and May, and they could have brought him in and moved the system and changed the offense. You can't bring somebody in in week four preseason and go, we're changing the offense now. So that means you have to do one of two things. 
You either have to tell Kaepernick, we got to run this offense where you're going to be mostly a drop-back passer. Then you got to go, well, is he going to be better than Bortles then if we have to make him play in an offense he's uncomfortable in? Or you have to try to change everything on the fly, and that's not going to be good for anybody either. So, but that being said, if I were Jackson, I'd bring him in and then start slowly changing the offense and give Henny or Bortles or whoever the first couple weeks, and then you have two or three weeks to try to change some things in practice and say, okay, this isn't working. We're going with this route. You know, we're 0-3. We just, let's throw it out. Let's bring Kaepernick in. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. you have to slowly make that change. You can't bring him in and go, hey, we're changing the offense for game one. Here we go. You see what I mean? Like, so if you're going to do it, I guess the, the long answer to the short question is, if you're going to do it, you better do it now. Because the longer you wait to institute this change, the harder it's going to be for him to acclimate himself into whatever offense you're trying to run. So, anyway, more football to come. Again, the next time we talk, whenever that is, it's going to be a big Badger Packer uh, NFL NCAA Big Ten preview show. I want to shift gears real quick because we're we're kind of short on time. We've got a lot of Badger audio we want to end the show with, uh, again, as we get people ready for, for the opener on Friday. I want to talk about the fight yesterday. Mayweather, McGregor, I'll give you my thoughts, and then I'll give you some opinions, and then I'll let you go from there. I watched it. Uh, my brother ordered it. We had a fantasy football draft, and there were 10 of us that chipped in and watched the fight, and I didn't mind spending 8 bucks for it. I wasn't going to spend 100 I wasn't going to spend 50 to go to BW3s, but it worked out, right? Uh, fight, far more entertaining than I thought it would have been. Um, and in the end, they stopped it. it People say it was controversial. Most of the people who say it was controversial are people who wanted McGregor to win. McGregor wasn't fighting back, and it was right to stop him. I'll tell you what I didn't think was right in a minute. But here's a theory that people have been floating out there. Some people who think that it was kind of a, I don't want to say a fix. I don't think it was. I'm just giving an opinion of other people. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. But what they said was they made sure that boxing didn't look weak because boxing has been losing a lot of ground in the UFC, right? But having Mayweather beat McGregor, boxing looks strong again. UFC doesn't look weak because McGregor's not a boxer, per se, and he lasted 10 rounds with a boxer, okay? So everybody goes home happy, and neither sport is hurt by it, okay? Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. I think it was an entertaining fight. What I didn't find to be entertaining is this. I thought McGregor won the first three rounds. And you can make a debate that going into the 10th round, he was down 5-4 to four in rounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. After the fight was stopped, they showed the judges scores and two of the judges had Mayweather winning nine out of 10 rounds, which that's not the way anybody thought. So what my conspiracy theory was this boxing judges were not going to allow boxing to be embarrassed. So they were never going to let McGregor win that fight by decision. The only way McGregor had a shot to win, and it's, it's proven out by the judges scorecards. This part, I'm not speculating on. The only way McGregor could have won that fight was by knockout because the judges' cards did not show the same thing I thought I was watching. You see what I'm saying? So if it would have went the distance, Mayweather was going to win anyway because the judges had him up too much that McGregor couldn't have made that up. And that bothered me a little bit because I don't know what those judges were seeing. I thought Mayweather won the fight. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I just don't think he was as dominant as the judges scored that fight to be. And that's the part that concerned me because that's where if that thing would have went the distance and that, and let's say McGregor 
uh, it was seven five Mayweather, and a judge showed it, you know, ten two Mayweather. That bias would have come out, and it would have been a bigger story. But in the end, it was a fun fight. It was interesting. There won't be a rematch. Uh, Mayweather said he's done. He's fifty, and always going to retire. He's forty years old. In the end, I think McGregor lost the fight because he got a little bit more winded. He's not used to going that long, and he started dropping his left. And when he was dropping his left, Mayweather just started to pepper him. And I don't know if Mayweather would have ever officially knocked him out, but he was going to continue to batter McGregor, and, and it, it was a good stoppage just for that reason alone. But it was fun. I enjoyed it, and both those guys got super rich. And that's really, I guess, what they wanted out of this, and that's what they got. Yep. No, they... I, I should I, say super richer. Super yeah, rich. richer. More rich, yeah. No, the, this team is a... I mean, this... Uh, I said team. This, just the the whole promotion. I mean, they were essentially a team. I mean, yeah, they landed a couple punches here and there. But, like, yeah, I mean... The, the one thing, I mean, yeah, it was this glamorous. I mean, they made it out to be bigger. I just had no brooding interest. I mean, people were asking me the entire day, like, oh, are you watching it? Are you watching it? And I just... I mean, I... I stayed up a little bit just to take a look at a few of the round you know a few of the rounds in terms of just watching twitter which was almost as entertaining mm-hmm. as watching the film uh, you know the actual mm-hmm. match itself but yeah i mean mcgregor came out I th- you know it sounded like he he came out fighting first and, and landed a punch like an uppercut that seemed people like whoa okay this is this could be something but it you know i honestly don't have too much of an opinion in opinion just because i didn't watch it but i, I mean it, it's a, sure you know, it's a spectacle. Sure. It was, it was good. It sounds like it was better than it was, than it anticipated to be. And you know, but uh, you know, at the end, like I said, you get gassed. And I mean, it's a UFC. I mean, this is like boxing compared to UFC, where, you know, the, you know, I know that the mid, you know, the length of the UFC matches are, or, you know, the rounds are what five minutes. But it just seems mm-hmm. like, you know, he just got yeah. Gassed. But they're either three or five minute rounds, which means the longest his fights ever went were twenty five minutes. Here's the thing. He did come out aggressive because he probably knew he had to be because he figured I'm going to hit him with my best shot because it's the longer it goes, the more of an advantage Mayweather has. And I'll be, let me just tell you straight up. And I don't know either one of them and I don't want to fight either one of them in a street fight in a cage fight. McGregor wins easily. McGregor can do three different things. Boxing though is the weakest of the three when it comes to grappling and martial arts being one and two. And don't get me wrong, Mayweather would box the hell out of me and knock me out with one or two punches, okay? But Mayweather's the boxer. He's the lifelong boxer. He's been boxing since he was five years old. In a regular fist fight, you know, in a bar fight, in a casino fight, I'm taking McGregor every single time. Right. But in a boxing match, I'm taking Mayweather, and he proved that yesterday. No, I'm uh, yeah, I'm in that same boat where, yeah, it, you take him there, and obviously he'll, you know, I mean, I, yeah, underneath boxing rules, it's McGregor's round, but yeah, UFC, you know that McGregor wins, you know, I just, you know, he, you know, people were making comments like, oh, he wants to kick him, he wants to kick him so bad right now, but you know, he can't because you know why he's a, uh, right, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's right, it, it goes against his nature. It, I mean, his nature as a UFC fighter is to have combo strikes. He's punching, punching, punching. You can even see, like, with the with the like bat punches down, and like, like if if this were a regular fight, he'd have some knees to the side, and he'd be kicked. You know, and it went against his nature. There were a couple times where he kind of opened up his stance, like he would have in an octagon, to start throwing strikes with his legs, but he knew he couldn't. 
you know, you could see that his instincts wanted to, a, a fighter's instincts, right? His instincts wanted to, to get in there and throw combos, but he couldn't. He had to stand toe-to-toe and box. And again, in the end, it was just too much Mayweather. That takes nothing away from Conor McGregor. takes nothing away from his sport. takes nothing away from the toughness. This wasn't about who's tougher. It was about who was the better boxer. Mayweather was the better boxer. Right. Exactly. If we all knew what was going to happen, we still didn't know exactly how. Uh, but uh, on that note, anything else you want to say before we take it home, brother? No, I think we'll leave it here. I know we're going to end with some audio, and we'll figure out a time for a big pigskin preview. That's coming up. And again, like we said at the top of the show, hopefully there's a lot more brewer talk over the next three, four, eight weeks, meaning that they go very far in the playoffs. We'll see. But as long as they're playing well, we're going to continue to talk about it. Uh, have a great week. Hopefully we talk this week. If we don't, I know you'll be at Camp Randall on, on Friday. My brother will be out there. I was almost going to be out there as a spectator as well, but I had something come up that will preclude me from joining my family out there. But everybody be safe. Have a great week, everybody. And I don't know how many listeners we have that have family, obviously, in Houston and the Gulf. Uh, but prayers and thoughts to everybody out there through uh, some of the damaging hurricane waters, floods, winds, rains that have that have hit that area. And I think that's probably the best way to leave it off. Yep, and yeah, uh, God bless everyone out down there. We're thinking for you, praying for you guys. Um, I got my, I got family down in the Houston area right now. Uh, I know others do too. Uh, just be safe. Use the best judgment. We're all thinking and praying for you guys. Um, and uh, just uh, yeah, hold tight. And guys, uh, we'll try to make it another show this week. Um, if not, uh, we'll be back next week with a big preview show, uh, and and we'll, we'll you know for for the Packers, and we'll do a big review show of, of the Badgers and what happens against Utah State. Uh, but for the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jay Kokorowski. Follow us on Twitter at jkokob5q at Scott Wisniewsk two, uh, and also the kill at Kilbasa Kings wi and at b5q. So follow us on Twitter. Uh, we love seeing you guys uh, interact with us on the show. So guys, have a great week uh one more week until labor day one more week until wisconsin badgers football uh and hopefully uh on hopefully at the, this week too it's the hopefully the arrival of vince beagle uh for the green bay packers so hopefully we can talk more about that next week too here on the kielbasa king sports extravaganza we're here with jonathan taylor true freshman running back and you and I just talked about it just a second ago but you see your name baby on that depth chart or you start seeing the reports how you feeling being listed as one of the first team running backs alongside Bradley Shaw and Chris James uh you know personally I'm definitely feeling good you know that shows this is a testimony that shows that, you know the hard work that I put in when I came here but you know it also shows how high of a level that the running back room is competing in coach Settle isn't doesn't have a solid answer yet, and it shows that you know we're working day in and day out, competing at a high level, which is making a tough and quick set, which is a good thing. What was the when you first saw the reports, you first saw the depth chart? Like, what went through your head? Uh, when I first saw it, what went through my head was I, first I've never seen like three guys with an or in any depth chart, so I started laughing just because the quick set. But uh, then I started thinking, I'm like, wow, so. You know, we must really be uh, working hard because Coach Set doesn't have a definite answer. So I kind of was, uh, I kind of was proud, you know, of us as a group. You know, just so like, yeah, we're competing every day, and you know, we always talk about how we're competing to be the best running back group in the country. So uh, that's one thing we pride ourselves on. When did you find out? Uh, I actually found out the other day because you know it just yeah, recently yeah. came out. 
Uh, so I just looked at it and, you know, then I texted uh, Chris James and was just like, you know, we're working hard, so let's keep it up. When it comes to just, when did you realize that you could make that, you know, when you could realize that you could compete in that, on that level, when you have that, uh, that you guys, you know, that you could play with the first team and, you know, yeah, you're a true freshman, but when did you, when was that moment that you felt, yeah, I can do this? Um, it definitely was the moment, you know, after we, after we had like a test in the, uh, the running back room, you know, Coach said is always keeping us on our toes, making us stay sharp, making sure we know everything we need to know. So, you know, then once you once you do good on the test, then you're starting to think like, wow, okay, I know this stuff. So I feel as though just once you get more comfortable, then that's when you know your own style starts to you know blossom. And uh, you know, once that started to happen, and I started being comfortable with everything, then I could start playing the game more easily. When was that test? Uh, the test was about like last week. It was just a small test, just keeping it sharp on our routes, making sure that we knew uh, everything that we needed to know. And, you know, just being able to recall everything he was talking about, you know, really made me more comfortable. Like, okay, so I'm retaining all of this. When it comes to, I mean, obviously the scrimmage, or you saw the Big Ten Network, you see your name starting to flash up on, on some of the big plays. What do you remember from, from, from those big plays and just that, that scrimmage in general? Uh, one of the things that I really do remember about the scrimmage is, you know, just remembering the coach points that Coach Set gave, you know, alignment, you know, key reads, and, you know, throughout the play, you know, all that contribute to the big play and, you know, just hitting the hole. And then when you look back after the play, then you think, like, okay, so everything Coach Set taught me, you know, just came to pass. When it, when it comes to uh, what have you, I mean, what's been the, the learning curve for you? Obviously now you're, you know, your list is one of the first team members. You're looking like the potential to contribute is definitely there. But what are some of the things that you've had to adjust to? from the college game. You, know, you came in during the summer, you didn't enroll early either. So this is a huge jump. Like, what have you had to work on in your time? One of the biggest things I had to work on was definitely the game speed. Uh, you know, twice as fast as, as the high school level. So, you know, decision making has to be more quick. Uh, you know, your reads have to be quick and you definitely have to win the pre-snap read. So that's just definitely the game speed is one thing I had to adjust to. How are you, I mean, in that running back room, you said there's, there's competition. Obviously, it's, there's depth, even with the injury to Taiwan. But, like, how are you guys feeding off of each other? How are you guys, you know, working together in, in, in terms of just, you know, get, gaining reps, too? Oh, definitely. All the time, you know, if we see a guy, you know, maybe make a little mistake or something on a read, when they come back, we're like, hey, listen, uh, you know, make sure you remember to do this or, or make that read. So definitely we're always giving tips. Maybe if you forgot uh, something that Cook said, said real quick, you know, we're always just looking to lift each other up and uh, encouraging to get the next play right. So we're definitely always giving tips to each other. Uh, what's the one thing that you're working on right now? One of the biggest things that I'm working on right now is just, you know, retaining everything in the playbook. You know, uh, we have a lot of stuff that we ha that we can uh, unfold. So being able to know each and every single one of those situations and being prepared for any one of those situations, just in case my number is called, is one of the biggest things I'm working on. What's the potential for the running back room? Um, the potential for the running back room is very high. You know, every day we come out there and we always pride ourselves on being the best running back group in the country. So we're working hard every day. and. You know, I think that this group is, is a very special group. What did your fam last question, what did your family say when you first started, you know, like when they maybe see the reports that you're some closer and like what is what's been the family response? Uh, they're definitely proud, definitely excited, uh, but you know, they definitely told me to stay humble, take it day by day, uh, and just make sure you stay ready, you know, don't let all the media get to your head and just make sure that you, you stay focused. Well it was uh, it was good today to be with the team and, and truly starting game week and the preparation.
obviously that's a huge part of each week is is the preparation so that game day game night in this case we can uh, be our best and uh, love the way the kids came back today and uh, looking forward to a good week Well, um, according to the injury list, it has Zach balling out. I know he missed some time in camp um, with a leg problem, but Tyler Johnson, when he filled in, what do you know about him? What do you see in him in practice, and what do you expect he might be able to give you in Zach's position? Yeah, it was, uh, first it was unfortunate, you know, with Zach, and it really wasn't until a couple days ago when he kind of got the final tests and, and what he needs to do to, to fix that. So uh, you, you feel bad. Again, a guy that missed a lot of games last year and, and I thought was doing some really good things. But Tyler's, Tyler's been impressive in the way that he's grown. You know, I think when he came here, really hadn't played a lot of defense, period. But uh, he's got a tremendous amount of respect from everyone on the team, coaches and players, because the way that he works and approaches it. And so I think he's put himself in position, um, you know, to, to grow and truly earn this the opportunity you know, that will be there for him. And I think also at that position, when, you, when you're talking about depth, you know, it'll be good. Or it's been good to get Christian Bell back into things, and it, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. You know, certainly feel um, good with what Andrew Van Ginkle's done and, and then with Leon and, and, and Duels. But you, you feel bad for Zach, but, um, you know, I think the Tyler and uh, – you know, Christian, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to progress, which we need them to. Hey, Paul, uh, when did you kind of know that Jonathan Taylor may be able to, to be a main player for you this year and uh, I guess listed as a co-starter? Was it was it more what he did later in camp or did you kind of know throughout camp that, that he would probably play this big of a role? I think that... You know, we were certainly excited when Jonathan came here and then as camp progressed and and when you keep adding more and more to their plate and, you know, with freshmen in general and if they can handle it, that gives you a good indication. And, and certainly he's talented and, and, you know, we feel good about, you know, the number of guys at that position that, that will contribute and Jonathan certainly being one of them. But I think, it, Jason, it progressed through camp and, and – uh, I think the first young guy's scrimmage, he did some good things and then earned the right to get some more reps and, you know, with the ones and with the twos and, and continued to progress. And, and so that's why we feel like he's he's ready to contribute. Paul, what did Jack Cohn show you uh, even back in the spring and, and during fall camp that showed you that you could be the backup quarterback? Yeah, I thought that and, and still believe, you know, Jack's talented and – it was going to be as much how he handled the amount of information. I thought spring he did a nice job of learning it and kind of attacking the learning end of it and then continued to, to grow. And so I think that through fall camp, you know, he did a nice job of, of building on the things I think that he felt pretty sure of from spring, but also adding to it. And then, you know, I thought that he did some good things in – in the course of practice when we're scrimmaging in, in some of those situations that aren't necessarily uh, schematic situations, but more playing situations. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've liked the progress that he's made and, and certainly has a ton more to learn and, and 
many ways to grow, but I, I do feel like he had a good camp. How do you feel about your um, your special teams, your kicking game in particular, going into this season? You know, going in feel feel good, and, and certainly you know we've got a number of guys that are back. The the one exception that would be Adam Bay, you know, our, our snapper, and, and I think Adam's done a a good job in camp and got an understanding of really what all that position entails, and and so um, as far as the the kickers, you know, I think Hoff has had a good camp. I think PJ's done a nice job. Anthony Lottie's, I think, getting better. And so it's, uh, I feel good, but, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, another test. A group of our freshmen, you know, whether they're true freshmen or redshirt freshmen when they play that first game and, and how they handle that. And I think, you know, we got a glimpse of it in a simulated way, and you know, on a Friday night scrimmage, but it's going to be ramped up times, times 10. Well, during these first few games, do you, do you worry about burning Jack's redshirt, or is it more you want him to get some game time possibly in case something were to happen to Alex? Yeah, you know, I think that was the conversation that we had right away, and, and I think it's, um, you know, we, we're going to have to, you hope that you only have to use two, you know, but you never have gone a year where you're not using multiple players at different positions. And so I think, you know, if a guy's ready to play, um, they need to be ready, and I think Jack is, and so not worried about a red shirt right now for him. What stands out about Utah State, and uh, what do you think some keys to the game will be for you guys? One thing is, as we study the film in, in these first games, you know, every year are always a little unique because uh, things change, you, you know, whether it's schematics, even if the staff had stayed exactly the same, you know, most likely there's going to be some some differences. And yet, I think there's a number of players that you, know, you can watch their film and, and you get an idea of who they were last year and, and project that they're only going to be better. I think they play with tremendous effort. Their schemes challenge you. And I think anytime you're looking at first games, you, you know, there's a lot of the axioms that are for any football game. It's, it's you know, turnovers and it's being efficient. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of challenges to every football game, and it doesn't matter who you're playing on some of the things that, that in the end lead to winning or, or not winning the game. And, and then you, know, you, you try to do your best to prepare your players for what you think they'll see. But we know uh, there's going to be things happen Friday night that we didn't see on film, that we didn't prepare for. And, and we've got to just make sure our, our kids know how to adjust to it and, and uh, help them navigate those waters. Chick-fil-A and Alec have battled for playing time uh, for a long time here. Uh, what can each of those guys give you? Is there something you feel like they can each do differently that uh, can strengthen the line? I think when you talk about our defensive line in general, there's some common denominators that's because they've played, you can say is who they are as players. And then, you know, each guy does bring unique qualities and, I think the one area that I'm interested in seeing out of that group, you know, and Chikwe and Alec, obviously, a big part of that group is, is, you know, can we raise the production level? And and I think that, you know, those two, Connor Sheehy, Alive, are are more than capable of that. And so, 
you know, can they continue to grow? And it's been, uh, it's been good for me to see Chikwe, you know, starting to come in as far as the health, you know, and, you know, missed time, you know, and, and but feels good now. And it looks like that. And so, um, you know, all, all of our guys are a little bit different, you know, so there could be a long list there. But I think the biggest thing that I know Noke's challenged them with and, and that we want to see is they are capable of more production and, and, and getting that out of them. Obviously, winning and playing on your home field is ideal, but winning on your home field to open the season, can that kind of set the stage, jump start the season for you guys on the right foot? Absolutely. You know, every every time that you get an opportunity to go out and play, um, it's a challenge. And, you know, when you handle it and when you come out victorious, those are always good, whether it's the first game or the middle game, any of them, right? And so... Uh, Certainly, you want to you want to start the season off, you know, being the best that you can, and then learn the lessons and, and try to get better from that. Yeah. Well, when, when we talked about Bostad uh, at some point in camp about some of the inside linebackers, Conley was out at the time, or was coming back. Ferrar was just getting used to the position, and he said he still wasn't sure what he had with some of those guys. Especially with a guy like Ferrar, where is he now in terms of his development after kind of making that change from safety to, to linebacker? Yeah, I think with I think with Arrington, he's certainly more comfortable today than he was probably two weeks ago, and and you know we made that switch. It was middle towards the end of you know the last third maybe of spring football, so I think that gave him a little sense of what was coming, but really he hadn't dove into it and so I think Arrington's done a nice job of continuing to to learn you know the position and, and I think there's moments where you can see the athleticism and his comfort now in playing it and, and then there's still areas where he's continuing continuing to learn you know how it, how to play that position so I think you know there's this there's a group there I think in and TJ and Ryan, that played a lot. Chris is really, you know, I think one of his strengths is, is instincts and understanding. But it's been good to see him kind of get back to playing. And I think that's just happening now. And then you've got a, a younger group that Arrington's part of that they're still progressing in their, their development. And so it's, um, you know, I think we got a pretty good idea what TJ and, and Ryan can do. Chris in a different way and then there's there's two or three other backers kind of alluding to what Bo said that you know we're going to continue to find out probably through a lot of this season. Well Danny and AJ are listed in the two deep at wide receiver obviously they you know, have very good fall camps. Uh, is this the deepest wide receiver group that you can remember in a while even maybe going back to your days as, as offensive coordinator here? I like the group, but uh, I don't know about deepest. Uh, but I like the way they've worked, and and I think that you know certainly Jazz has played now a lot of football, and then you've got a lot of youth, and uh, you know it'll be good when we can get KP back and and George back. But uh, right now I think I, I like the group, but, but we've had deeper.
How can you talk about what Ryan Connolly has done well to, to beat out Chris for that starting spot? I think Ryan's played really well. And uh, I think that he's, he's playing fast. He's trusting himself. And uh, I think he's a really good football player. And, you know, certainly we think Chris is a good football player too. But Ryan's, uh, Ryan's he looks comfortable and uh, he's played. And, and so I think that that experience of playing and having started helped him in, in his preparation and, and certainly, you know, missed spring football. But I think he's come back and, and – and uh, hasn't missed a beat. I've liked a lot of what Ryan's been doing. You only get so many. <laughs> we were close. <laughs> this will be my last one. Um, <laughs> um, do, you, do you envision, you know, uh, you know Dietzen and Kapoi battling throughout the season for that for that spot, or do you hope that's maybe, uh, you know, resolved at some point where you have the same the same five going out there each week? I think it, it, you know, that for us to say anything right now, last year we did a lot of that, and I think it was good for Micah and, and John. And, you know, the number one thing that you hope for uh, is that they're all available and, and going forward. Uh, but I think it's, you know, right now that, that's what we need to prepare to do. I think it's good for them. And, I go back to what I said last year about, you know, the quarterback spot a lot. If guys earn the right to play, then they should play. And, uh, and at some point throughout the season, maybe there's separation. But I think that both Mike and John have earned the right to play. And, you know, fortunately for us and for them, both have played in games. And so um, don't try to overthink it. You know, we don't, as a staff, try to overthink it. And, and just because we want to play, you'd love to have a season where you play five guys, right? And there's no changes the whole time. But you'd never do that at the expense of a guy that's earned the right to play. And I think, you know, both of those would fit under that. Anything else for Coach? All right, thank you. Thanks, Coach. Um, I think the master's going to go upstairs. Okay. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.